0: 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And our subject is three core experiences in personal salvation, personal conversion. Three central experiences of Power and love and a sound mind. I ought to say, of course, that in this epistle you have a very senior preacher instructing and encouraging a junior preacher. And in this verse he mentions some of the results of the work of God in a soul, the work of the Holy Spirit. And he puts it like this, For God hath not given us the spirit of, and he mentions fear, power, love, and a sound mind. But it's these three, power, love, and a sound mind, we're interested in. He hasn't given us a fearful spirit. Our King James translators translate or put the word spirit with a small s. So they have decided that what Paul is referring to here is a disposition. God has not given us a disposition of fear, but rather a disposition or characteristics of mind and soul, which are power, love, and a sound mind. Some modern translations have decided they can do better than this, and they've given Spirit a capital S. For God hath not given us the Spirit. He gives the Holy Spirit to people. And the Holy Spirit is now said to be the Spirit of power and the Spirit of love. But that doesn't work. A little technical for a start. That doesn't work because you can't very well speak of the Holy Spirit of a sound mind. Of course the Holy Spirit can have nothing other than a sound mind, a safe mind. And so I think our King James translators are quite right, and most who follow them, and uh, they've translated it with a small s. God, by the Holy Spirit, obviously, has not given us a disposition of fear, but the disposition of personal characteristics of power and love and of a sound mind. Three features of conversion. And I want to begin by saying this, and I hope you'll bear with me because it might sound unreasonable at first, but it's absolutely true. And it's this. Other than by conversion to Christ, you can never have these features of disposition. Other than by experience of conversion, you will never really taste or know power. Never be powerfully influenced without conversion to Christ. Is this not an outrageous thing to say? That thousands and thousands of people, even among them the most clever, intellectual the strongest the most astute will never have known a real experience of power without conversion but it's true this comes only by conversion real power we can speak about power experiences quite easily it's often said that young people and this is True to a point, will may have an experience which greatly influences them and shapes them and sets them up in life. Maybe you come under the influence of someone. Maybe it's at the university. Certain things are formed in you. And can you not call that an experience of power? Well, you can't. I remember reading about one of Churchill's generals, one of his best in World War II, one of the most successful and consistent of his generals, and reading about his life. And when he was a youngster at university, he became a communist. And it seemed to change him greatly. And all he would talk about was Marxism and communist theory. And he was full of it. And it drove him. It was his engine. He seemed to be a confirmed for life communist. and very ardent. And it so influenced him. But then you just move forward a few years and all that's changed. He's no longer a communist. He's left it behind. This was something in his head. I'm not talking about communism one way or another. It's just illustration. It was just in his head. It didn't really shape him. And it was hardly a power experience anyway because it didn't deepen him. It didn't change his character. It didn't make him morally stronger. It wasn't with him for life. It wasn't a reorienting of him in a certain direction. No, it was skin deep. And a lot of things that you might think of as power experiences are like that like a funfair ride with a big dipper and a great plunge involved in it so that all of your, your feelings are turned over and jangled but you're going to get off the ride and in a few minutes that sensation will have gone will have passed you can hardly call it A power experience. It's so passing, transient, ephemeral. It's gone. And there are many things like that that you can talk about. You won't really have had a power experience other than by conversion to God, by coming to Christ and having your life changed. A powerful, life-changing experience. Friends people, I don't want to tie you with illustrations, but some people go in for bodybuilding. And it makes them feel powerful. And they can lift tremendous weights, which they could not do before. And as the old saying goes, they develop muscles in places where most people don't have places. And so they build up their appearance. Is it a power experience? Hardly. If they give it up or they lay off, the benefits that they feel they've had will soon vanish. And has it strengthened them? Possibly the reverse. It's very addictive for many people, that kind of thing. It gets to rule their life, rules their program, rules their tastes and their timetables makes them sometimes, I don't want to generalize, but sometimes makes them extremely proud and self-aware and self-conscious in an abnormal way. Is it powerful? Has it given them self-control? Has it given them God and enabled them to communicate with him? Has it given them eternal life? Has it changed them profoundly and morally? It's hardly a power experience. When we're into the Bible, we're talking about real power, power that changes the life, power that gives moral strength, a power that connects us with God, a power that gives us eternal life. This is a power experience. You can't have it outside conversion. And so the Apostle Paul says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, for what has he given us? if we're converted to him, but of power. And what about love? Surely this preacher isn't going to say you can't really love unless you've been converted to Christ. Yes. If you understand the real meaning of love, that's true. You can't really know love without conversion to God through Jesus Christ the Lord. Now, I ought to acknowledge that God has put the capacity to love into everyone to some extent. God has very graciously and marvelously given the power to love to all human beings. Sadly, it can be almost entirely eroded away But to most, there is some capacity for love. Why has he done that? Why has he given man this precious, precious ability in a fallen world where man is in rebellion against him and wants only to live for the here and now and for material things and wants to deny God and run away from him and ignore him and reject him? Why has he given the precious gift of the power to love well for at least three reasons though this is not our subject first because if he hadn't done that this world would be utterly intolerable as a place to live in if we were not capable of some measure of love for one another it would be impossible and intolerable the worst would be on display all the time violence and hatred and so on and so on. Extortion, unfairness. And secondly, a reason similar to it, he has left some love even in this fallen world, which is against him, in order to give society a cement, to hold it together, in order to give the family a cement, to hold people together parents and children. So there's a capacity to love. That's true. And there's another very vital reason why God has stamped love into the world. And that is to give a language for the gospel. Because if there was no love in us at all, how could we understand it when God says, I love you and I've provided in my love a saviour for you who can forgive you your sins. He suffered and died on Calvary's cross to make an atonement for sin. He's made that substitutionary atonement for all who believe in him. And in mighty love he's done that and he can forgive and change you. We wouldn't understand that message at all if we had no capacity for love. So it has to be left in the world to some extent to give a language for the gospel of grace. So there's some love, but not a great deal. Not a great deal. Have you got absolute loyalty in love? No. What happens to love is this. We largely love ourselves And then we have some love for things and possessions and acquisitions. And we have some love for pleasures and kicks and experiences. And we have some love for notice and flattery and fame and fortune, if we can get it. That's not real love. To love all the wrong things or the things that are actually good but supplemental in life. But we don't have love for God, love for standards, love for the truth, love for his purposes, love for heaven, true and deep and abiding love for each other so that my wife comes first, my husband comes first, my children I don't punish them out of anger, but I deal with them for their good and to encourage them because I love them. Do you have real love? Uncontaminated by all these things? Real love doesn't come into us until conversion. Love for the right things. Love which endures. And I'll come back to this in a moment the power experience the experience of really being able to love and the experience of a sound mind now the Greek is safe mind our translators choose the word sound to get it across a sound mind have we got a sound mind until we're converted the Bible says no we have a disordered mind we have a flawed mind we are not safe minded we're not discerning we do not come to the right conclusions we are not safe some people translate this prudent or even self controlled that's there in the word but those words are not big enough really Safe or sound is the best translation. Do we have a sound mind? Not without conversion. You've read and I've read about driverless cars. Well, we have a similar thing with sat-navs. Let's just work the illustration at the level of a driverless car it's more significant somehow you've got a driverless car there are some running in the USA there are towns three I think that are running cabs which are driverless would you be scared to get in one would you supposing you do or well, you've got your own driverless car It's had a knock. You don't know that. But in its history, it's had a bang somewhere. And the engineers haven't made a good job of it, and therefore it's been damaged. But you don't know that. And you tell it to take you a certain place via a scenic route, a beautiful spot, which you saw years ago, and you want to show your wife or your friend you want to go that way again and the car doesn't do that it takes you through the slums and the back streets it won't go anywhere near anything beautiful what's the matter with it it's disordered in its programming it's been damaged somehow by the engineers it won't work as it should that's the human mind it isn't safe It's damaged. It's unsound. It loves the things we should hate. It doesn't love the things we should love. It wants the things that we don't need or we've got too much of already. It hits out at the people who love us and who understand us. One little slip and human beings lose their temper. and They do silly and irrational things and outrageous things, and go to war, as is going to cost infinitely more suffering than the original offence on one side or the other. The human mind is far from safe. It's damaged property in every way. And that's us. I love myself. I don't love my God without conversion. I love, I've already said this, the here and now. I don't love heaven and the soul and eternal life. I won't go there, I won't go near it. For many years, perhaps, I won't go to church. My program won't take me near one. Even if from time to time, a voice inside me says, search, think, find out, look into this. The mind is disordered in its ways and in its readiness to sin and in its selfishness and in its values you've only got to look at society we're in an age where morally we're hurtling downhill we've never been so educated as our present generation where almost everybody goes to university everybody has an education in many countries anyway in the west everybody can read and write and Never have we been so educated. So much information comes to us. What's going on in the world of rocket science? What's the latest idea? What's the latest data and information? You've access to it all. Yet look at the moral collapse. How unsafe is the human mind? Things that are asking for trouble are adopted and legalized. And now you begin to get the opposition to decency and morality and faith in God. How twisted, how injured, how disordered is the human mind. Only conversion to Christ makes you safe-minded. And we shall explain why in a moment. These are actually... Tremendous words. The spirit of power and of love and of a sound or safe mind. Don't we need them, friends? This is how it works. First of all, the spirit of power. I'm going along in life. And suddenly the soul begins to concern me. God by the Spirit is at work. Things I've dismissed for years suddenly become important. I want to search. Is there God? Can he be known? How? What's the problem? Why is it that I'm so against him? Well, it's because there was a stirring in my soul activated by the Spirit of God And I begin to inquire. And I begin to understand or read something of his word. I hear preaching or a friend tells me about his own conversion. And then things begin to happen. As I hear this message and I read about these things and inquire into these things, suddenly it pierces me. I am that sinner that is spoken of here. I am the one. Full of uncleanness, full of godless and anti God thoughts. I am the one who is proud and deceitful. I am the one who is full of temper at times and hate. I am the one who is greedy and full of selfishness and self consider. This is me. I am the one who needs the forgiveness of God. I am the one who needs cleansing. I am the one who needs a new life. How will I get it? And now I want to know. I would have run a mile from this six weeks ago, six months ago. Now I've got to find out. I've got to know the answers. Can I be received by God? Can I be accepted? And the message comes to me. Repent of your sin. Go on your knees to God. Tell him your need. Trust in Christ. The only way to secure forgiveness through what he's done in bearing the punishment of sin in your place, in your stead. That's how God can be just and show mercy. Give yourself to him. And you do it. You wouldn't have done it six months ago. Not for anything. But now there's a power at work within you. And the result of coming to Christ is that you're changed by the power of the Spirit. Those sins you wouldn't be parted from. Now you hate them. They come at you and they try to entangle you. Temptation tries to get you back. And you pray for help and you long to resist it. What a change in your attitude. There's power at work in you now. This is the experience of conversion. This is the giving of power. And all your life from now on, Though you'll still have a battle against sin all your life, you'll be calling upon God, praying to Christ for help, receiving it. He'll prove himself to you a thousand times over. There'll be so many interventions and blessings in your life. You'll come to the point you'll never doubt him. You'll have had the spirit of power from the Spirit of God. And love, how will that affect you? Well, it starts because you'll feel such an indebtedness to Christ, such a love for him. Why should he love a creature like me, you'll say to yourself? Why should he lay aside his glory and his power in heaven and enter into time and enter into human flesh and become the God-man, the Saviour, and live a life on earth, suffering great hostility and humiliation, and go to Calvary's cross. Why should he do that for me? And you'll feel such a debt of love to him, and you'll feel a debt towards other people. Oh, if that friend of mine could become a Christian and could find the Lord and find his power and his help and his kindness and walk with him and you'll pray for them you'll love others, this is the love that sends missionaries around the world to suffer all manner of difficulties and illnesses in order to win others you'll be filled with love you find now You really can love your husband, love your wife and praise God for them, thank him for them and overlook little foibles and remember you've got a million of your own and even find them endearing because you've got a new capacity to love in your heart. It's given to you by God. The spirit of power and of love And of a sound mind. Now you can think. Of course you can. Because God emancipates your mind when you're converted. He enlarges your understanding. You can understand the things of God. Oh, you say, now I'm a child of God. I've sought him and found him. And I can see it all now. This is a fallen world. I was uh, listening to somebody speaking a short while ago and it was on the radio and the question posed was this, how can we stop knife crime? And the person who was replying, who was a former cabinet minister and home secretary from some years ago, he replied along these lines. Of course, he is an atheist, He doesn't believe in God. But he replied along these lines, Well, what you've got to do is spend much more money on education. Punishment's no good. And of course he didn't say it, but I know this is what he thinks. Faith is no good. Belief in God is no good. Religion is no good. Christianity is no good. Won't even mention those, dismiss them at once what you've got to do and this will work he felt quite sure was reorientation of the person by training because people and he said it are good at heart they're really good people are good he said he was sure of it when you're converted to Christ you don't utter such foolish things foolish, foolish things because you understand from God's point of view you understand the Bible human beings are fallen they are not 100% evil there's a measure of good in them but overall they're fallen and even their best moods and their best acts are tainted by the fall and by sin And even most good deeds are done for selfish reasons when we look into it. Dear friends, your mind is now safe. You understand the fall of man. You understand the redemption of God. You understand from the word of God what human nature is about and how it works. You understand these things. And furthermore, God has given you a measure of self-control and he'll help you every time it falls and fades and fails if you call upon him so that you're safe in your programming, in your thinking, in your evaluation, in your discerning. You've got a safe mind. Dear friends, may you have an experience of power as you come to Christ and know innermost change may you have an experience of love love for God will flood your heart with the capacity to love and may you have a safe sound mind by coming to the Saviour I cannot give you these things of course not no man can no Pope no priest, whatever his pretensions. Only God. Only God when you come to Christ and you give yourself to him and you seek his converting power and love. Let's pray. Oh God, our gracious Heavenly Father, look upon us all, we ask, and help us so work by thy Holy Spirit that we shall not be offended at a message such as this, but that we may humble ourselves and come with seeking hearts and reach out to thee, our Saviour and our Lord. O Lord, look upon us and help us all. We ask it in the name of our Saviour for his sake. Amen.